Welcome to For We Are Many podcast. I am your host and comrade, Rob. Today we're going to be talking about the Haymarket Riot. Happened in May 1886. They were fighting for an eight-hour day and some shit went down. Um, yeah. Trisha, your hostess with the most is France. <laughs> in some way. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Don. I'm the voice you're hearing right now. <laughs> That's the whole thing? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, uh, as I said, today we're going to be talking about the Haymarket Riot. But first, I just wanted to take a minute to plug our Patreon. Um, that's live. It's www.patreon.com slash for we are many. Uh, any size donation that you can afford, a uh, dollar a month is an option. But, you know, any amount helps. Uh, we're trying to grow. We're trying to all get proper equipment, you know, trying to be able to do more streams. Um, so I guess while I'm plugging this, um, we are trying to grow this into an independent leftist media source. So, you know, if you uh, have any skills that you're willing to put into this, um, you know, obviously the more people that help, the bigger we can spread. And you can find us, uh, well, first of all, on our website at www.forwearemany.org. Uh, we do articles on there. We put all of our podcast segments on there um, in video form. We're on YouTube. We're on SoundCloud. We're on TikTok at For We Are Many Podcast. We're on Twitter at For We Are Many Two. Uh, we're on Instagram at For We Are Many Podcast. And uh, then, of course, we have our Facebook page, which is For We Are Many. And then we have the For We Are Many support group and the For We Are Many mutual aid group. Um, speaking of the website, if you have any skills that you're willing to donate to that, we can we can use help for that too. We're uh, we're trying to write articles. We're trying to have you know journalist sources on the ground um, in locations when things happen or any locations really. Um, but we're just, we're still continuously rolling that out. Um, yeah, I don't think I missed anything there. So a little bit of backstory, or not even backstory yet, really. Uh, but like, here's a little summary about the Haymarket riot. It's also known as the Haymarket incident or the Haymarket affair. It occurred on May 4th, 1886, when a labor protest rally near Chicago's Haymarket Square turned into a riot after someone threw a bomb at police. At least eight people died as a result of the violence that day. Despite a lack of evidence against them, eight uh, radical labor activists were convicted in connection with the bombing. The Haymarket riot was viewed as a setback for the organized labor movement in America, which was fighting for, uh, fighting for rights such as the eight-hour workday. That was their, their main goal, actually. <coughs> At the same time, many in the labor movement viewed the convicted men as martyrs. Anybody have anything to throw out so far? Not yet. No. Huh? Um, admittedly, before I put this together, I 
didn't know as much about it as I should, as I should, but me and Sterling forever ago recorded that Knights of Labor segment, which hopefully will also be getting published soon. Um, but the Knights of Labor was one of the, one of the organizing forces in this event. Um, so this was kind of the beginning of the end for the Knights of Labor. So check out that episode when, when it's up and when you, when you get a chance. So the lead up, um, the labor union movement in the 1880s uh, was growing. Strikes by industrial workers were increasingly common in the US. Um, and it was a time when working conditions were often dismal. Everybody words it as dismal, but like, let's be blunt. It sucked ass. It was shitty. It didn't matter what industry you were working in. It's not like now where you went in and screwed on a bolt on an assembly line. I mean, not that a lot of manufacturing jobs are actually even that anymore, but it, it was literally raw materials coming in one end and manufactured equipment coming out the other end. It was a lot more intense and a lot more dangerous than it is now. Um, and wages were low. That's arguably still the case today. Actually, not even arguably. That is, for a fact, still the case today. Um, the American labor movement during this time also included a radical faction of socialists, communists, and anarchists who believed the capitalist system should be dismantled because it exploited workers. Huh, weird. It's almost like uh, we've all dealt with that our whole lives. <laughs> it sounds way too familiar. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, this couldn't have happened in the past. Yeah, I know. Uh, a good number of these labor uh, radicals were immigrants, many of them from Germany. Hey, Karl Marx is from Germany. Interesting. Anyway, on May 3rd, <laughs> uh, this is kind of like the key thing leading up to it. On May 3rd, one person was killed and several people were injured as police intervened to protect strike breakers and intimidate strikers. Still sounds familiar during a union action at the McCormick Harvesting Machine Company that was part of a national campaign to secure an eight-hour workday. So, to protest said police brutality, anarchist labor leaders called a mass meeting the next day in Haymarket Square in Chicago. Anybody have anything to, to, to throw out there? It's interesting how far back we've been protesting police brutality yeah yeah for sure you have anything to say trisha your not cat's, that i can think of. I mean, your cat's tail does hello as far as the police brutality inciting a riot like hmm have we really come very far hmm right So uh, then May 4th, the strike begins, and I put in parentheses, let's start a riot. Ha, that's <laughs> a song. Yeah. Anyway, um, the May 4th rally at Haymarket Square was organized by labor radicals to protest the killing and wounding of several workers by the Chicago police during a strike the day before at the McCormick Reaper Works. 
wow, the Reaper works. That doesn't sound capitalist at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. At the time, though, it had slightly different context. Probably had more to do with reaping the harvest. Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. But, I mean, they're <laughs> sure reaping that, that surplus labor value. Absolutely. That's what capitalism does. Yeah. So, anarchist leader August Spies, or Spies? I think probably it's probably Spies. It's probably Spies. A German immigrant was among the many people who were angered by the police reaction to the McCormick strike. He had been giving a speech to strikers a short distance from the factory and had witnessed police open fire on workers. Spies rushed to the offices of the Arbiter Zeitung, an anarchist new newspaper he edited, and wrote a leaflet denouncing the incident. He, he headlined the flyer, Working Men to Arms. That evening, as word of the McCormick killing spread, another group of Chicago anarchists planned an outdoor rally to protest police brutality. They scheduled the gathering for the following evening at Haymarket Square, a large space on Displane Street. It has been associated with May Day, which is May 1st, um, since that day's designation is International Workers' Day by the Second International in 1889. Um, and then I called the next slide, May the 4th be with you. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, around 8.30 p.m. on May 4th, the streets near Haymarket Square swelled with some 2,000 workers and activists. August Spees opened the rally by climbing atop a hay wagon if that isn't Midwest as fuck, and giving a speech on the good, honest, law-abiding, church-going citizens who had been attacked at the McCormick factory. He was followed by Albert Parsons, a former Confederate soldier turned radical, radical, take two. He was followed by Albert Parsons, a former Confederate soldier turned radical anarchist. Wow, that's a shift, ain't it? It is. Right. <laughs> Maybe realized, you know, that he was fucked up. Maybe the leadership of the Confederacy had gotten over on him, or maybe he just felt, you know, remorse. Either way, that's a hell of a switch to make. Really is. It really is. Left, but right direction. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, Chicago Mayor Carter Harrison was even in attendance to assure the protest was peaceful. Um, and actually he like, you know, told the press that, that it was very peaceful. Um, after Harrison and most of the demonstrators departed, a contingent of police arrived and demanded that the crowd disperse. Sounds familiar, don't it? Right. Yeah. Uh, as the police advanced, an individual who was never identified no. threw a bomb at them. The police and possibly some members of the crowd opened fire randomly and chaos ensued. Seven police officers were killed and 60 others wounded before the violence ended. Civilian casualties have been estimated at four to eight dead and 30 to 40 injured. So before we get into the aftermath, uh, let's have a roundtable discussion. You know, we'll try to keep it to about two minutes per person. Uh, the first question I have listed is what went wrong? Well, um in my opinion, um, and it's the same thing I've seen go wrong how many times at police br police brutality protests, the police show up. 
Agreed. Well said. And speaking from just a human perspective, the police probably showed up expecting a fight. Yeah. yeah. They were there for the wrong reasons. They were there to, you know, shut down people voicing their rights. Well, yeah, I mean, let's not forget this is the this is the same police force that had killed workers and organizers the day before. Right. Yeah, and just like with the George Floyd protests, um, you know, same same police force. They were the ones being protested against. They probably showed up already feeling attacked, already feeling like they needed to put an end to it, but not, you know, in a good way. Right. So second question, what could they have done differently? I mean, they as in the organizers. I don't know that there is anything they could have done differently. Um, we That's don't know. We don't know who threw the bomb. Um, yeah, that very well could have been a uh, false flag. It could have been. Uh, it could have been, and that's not unheard of. I mean, the um, the the ship that got sank by the Spanish, the the one that was the reason we entered the Spanish American War, um, it came to light recently that uh, the fire on board was caused by poor munitions handling and not by Spanish bombardment. Oh wow! Wow! Yeah. Um, do you have anything and to add on that one, Trisha? I do, because it, it kind of makes me wonder, because even in what I've read about it, first shots fired were not necessarily just from the police, but people in the crowd responding to whoever threw the bomb, the people in the crowd were shooting at that motherfucker, too. So who wasn't really showing up throwing that bomb to cause chaos? when the protesters themselves were also shooting at them right along with the police. Right. Right. And then they ended up turning fire on each other for some fucking reason. Well, because... Well, I mean, in chaotic situation. I mean, think about it. 2,000 people in a town square. They don't know where the bomb right. came from. They're, they just see people shooting in a direction and start shooting too. Yeah, and having been in a couple firefights myself, I, I, I can tell you, if there's rounds coming at you, then you're sending you're rounds sending back. Rounds back that, or, or you're hiding. Um, there, there's a, quite a few psychological things that happen in that instance, but one of the things that potentially happens is you're sending rounds back in the direction that they're coming from. Right. Um, yeah. So question three, how did they organize effectively? This is a good one, I think. I think kicking word out the way that he did with his flyers was yeah. effective, at least for the time being. You know, that was a great way to immediately reach everybody in town yep. when you had your printing service right there to make use of. Right. And, you know, that's kind of like what we're trying to do right now, just in a more technological manner. Yeah. I mean, that being said, I do think that once we once we have articles and stuff regularly, it wouldn't be a bad idea to start kicking out a paper copy. That's a great idea. 
I mean, you know, like, think like, I forget what it was called, but, oh yeah, the Occupied Wall Street Journal. Remember that? It was like once a month they would fucking, you know, print up a shit ton of them and kick them out all over the country. Yeah. <coughs> I mean, that'd be dope. <coughs> uh, the next one is, what can we learn from their struggle? Um, I'll go okay. first on this one, actually. I feel like what we can learn is, A, how to effectively organize and mobilize. And I think that we can learn, B, um, how to... Wow, brain fart. I'll edit this out, but fuck. <laughs> what was the second part of my thing? I remember. And B, we can definitely learn that the police system is a form of oppression that needs to be dismantled. Um, you know, or at least I, I tend to subscribe to the Green Party idea of it is make it a community controlled thing. So that way, like, you know, you're policing the streets that you live on, you know, like you're dealing with people that you know, you're not you know, some dude of a different race from out of town that's just, you know, trying to start some shit. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm getting a little off topic there. I'm sorry. But the point is, is that we can learn that the policing system is a structure that is oppressive and needs to be dismantled. Indeed. I, I like I this idea, though, however, of electing the police, those being elected seats. So that way they're literally chosen by the community to make sure that it is the community policing itself. Yeah. I think one okay. thing we can I think one thing we can take away from this is that there's always going to be unless we are watchful for it, there's always going to be somebody trying to get one over on workers. Well said. Absolutely. I mean you can you can look as far back as you want uh, from the time that humans started working for each other instead of with each other. Somebody's always trying to get one over on them. Yeah. How does this affect our working lives today? Uh, ultimately, we have an eight-hour workday, typically. I mean, unless you work in, like... Um, in the restaurant industry and even then even then if it's more than an eight hour workday typically you get paid extra for the extra hours well i mean you get overtime at the end of the week if you go over eight hours a day yeah i see, I yeah. see what you're saying didn't that not go into place until a few decades later well yeah but i mean this is this, this is, is the catalyst. This is where that fight started. Very true. Well, well, this is one of the places where that started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was earlier in the fight, I guess is what I should have said. How I should have worded that. Um, this was probably one of the biggest catalysts, at least for um, the... Us actions like the Knights of Labor working on it. Can you start that right. over? 
I don't know what happened, but it was it was really bizarre. It was like it was hissing for a second, and then we could hear you just fine again. Uh, I said that this was probably the catalyst for um, going on strikes and rioting, etc., for workers' rights becoming more of a mainstream thing than just groups like the Knights of Labor. Because um, up until then, there was only a few union groups that were kind of spread out throughout the country and stuff. And I think this might have been a catalyst for that of more people uniting under that umbrella there of the working people need to actually take to the streets and speak out against these things, not just these few unions. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, getting into the aftermath, though, the Haymarket riot saw, set off a national wave of xenophobia as scores of foreign-born radicals and labor organizers were literally rounded up by the police in Chicago and elsewhere. Um, amid the panic, August Spees and seven other anarchists were convicted of murder on the grounds that they had conspired with or aided in an unknown assailant. In August 1886, eight men labeled as anarchists were convicted in a sensational and controversial trial in which the jury was considered to be biased and no solid evidence was presented linking the defendants to the bombing. Many of the so-called Chicago Eight, however, were not even present at the May 4th event and their alleged involvement was never approved. Judge Joseph E. Gary imposed the death sentence on seven of the men and the eighth was sentenced to 15 years in prison. On November 11th, 1887, so, you know, the following year, four of the men were hanged. Of the additional three were, uh, who were sentenced to death, one committed suicide on the eve of his execution, and the other two had their death sentences commuted to life in prison by Illinois Governor Richard J. Oglesby. The governor was reacting to widespread public questioning of their guilt, which later led to his successor, Governor John P. Altgeld, to pardon the three activists still living in 1893. Studying the transcript of, this, of the case, Altgeld concluded that the defendants had not been given a fair trial because the judge was biased, the jury was packed in the prosecution's favor, and much of the evidence was fabricated. His decision to issue the pardons was widely condemned by industrialists, surprise, and the conservative press, surprise, but was applauded by labor reformers. Good. No surprise. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, in the aftermath of the Haymarket riot and subsequent trial and executions, public opinion was divided. I mean, that makes sense. I can only imagine what the media narrative was like. It was probably a very harshly divisive thing just like we see fucking abortion today i mean you know just right. one of those like hot button issues that they can beat till it's fucking dead <coughs> um so the haymarket affair had a lasting effect on the labor movement in the u.s the knights of labor at the time the largest and most successful union organization in the country was blamed for the incident not surprising. While the Knights of Labor also had sought an eight-hour workday and called several strikes to achieve that goal, its involvement in the riot could not be proven. Public distrust, however, caused many K uh, Knights of Labor locals to join the newly formed and less radical American Federation of Labor. We're going to do a piece about them later, and then we're going to do a piece about the CIO, 
And then we're going to do a piece about the AFL CIO and how they pushed out the communist organizers. But anyway, <laughs> Rob, what? I'm going to leave the chat. I got to start that prime rib. Okay. All right. Just want to let you know. All right. Later. He's already gone. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's, that's a bit of a rabbit hole, the whole AFL-CIO and then the AFL-CIO. But um, the CIO was much more radical than the AFL. And when they merged, the AFL side of it essentially pushed out all the communist organizers. Um, anyway, so back to the topic. A statue dedicated to the policemen who died as a result of the violence at Haymarket Square uh, was dedicated at the site of the riot in 1889. A monument to the men convicted in connection to the riot was erected in 1893 at the Forest Park, Illinois Cemetery, where, where they are buried. Um, the statue of the policemen was moved to the Chicago PD's training academy in the early 1970s after it was repeatedly damaged by leftist radicals. If fucking... only it had been completely obliterated. Yeah, I mean, that's an offensive-ass fucking statue. I don't care. I don't care what your views on the police are. That is offensive to workers. This is... Straight up. The monument to the men convicted, wrongfully, should have been put up in Haymarket Square. Right. Not at the fucking cemetery. Yeah. Should have been replacing the one torn down of the police statue. Well, I mean, the police statue wasn't moved until the 1970s. It should have been demolished. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to, like, point out that we still see the same hatred, the same divisive media narrative about anarchists and activists more generally this this is not particular to people in labor movements this is a, a widespread issue right um, and all too often the conservative media even then were trying to control the narrative and paint it as some shit that it was not yep funny how the conservative media always falls on the side of you know, the people wanting to exploit labor and trying to demonize the left for being like, wait a minute, no, labor has rights too. Yeah. The Haymarket tragedy inspired generations of labor leaders, leftist activists, and artists, and has been commemorated in monuments, murals, and posters throughout the world, especially in Europe and Latin America. For some people, the events led to a heightened anti-labor sentiment. An official commemoration, the Haymarket Memorial was installed on the site of the riot in 2004. So at least they eventually fucking got to it. Yeah, you know? 2004, <laughs> though. Damn. Right. Um, so this is actually the city of Chicago memorial. Oh my god, they have an anarchist giving a speech on a fucking hay wagon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I dig it. Yeah, so that is the the memorial that the city of Chicago put up. 